One thing that I never want you to ignore is pedal edema that is unilateral, so affecting only one leg. the podcast for women who hate working out but know they should. I'm Gab, I'm an audio producer and journalist. And I'm Sarah, I'm a GP and I work in fertility and women's health. And we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land we're on today and pay our respects to their elders past and present. And for me, that's the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. And for me, it's the Darug and Gundungara people. Today we're talking cankles, baby. Uh, You know that feeling or that look when your lower leg swells up and your calf blends with your ankles? Well, I am (laughs) so beautiful, so attractive. (laughs) I am uh, deep into the second trimester and I've just had my first experience with chubby ankles. Ah, so what are cankles? What causes them, whether you're pregnant or not, and can exercise help to manage them? Yeah, but before we get to that, uh, how are you, my love? It's been, you know, a couple of weeks. We haven't done the podcast for a couple of apps. What's been happening? How's the exercise been going? <laughs> I was I was reflecting on it. I'm like, gosh, I really don't have a lot to report. I have been on some really lovely walks and some modest hikes around the Blue Mountains when it hasn't been raining, which it has been, you know, the weather has been pretty shite again. No, um, really? But, uh, La, La Nina 3.0? <laughs> La Nina. But following on from our recent episode on gardening. This weekend, we're off on the Edible Garden Trail uh, of the Blue Mountains, where avid home gardeners and market gardeners open up their productive plots to the community um, you know, to share their know-how. And, uh, and I think some properties will be selling seedlings and veg on the day. So whilst, uh, unfortunately, the trail will have been and gone by the time this episode goes to air, there are edible garden trails popping up all over the country. So if you are keen to do some walking and learn more about growing your own food and, and getting all those beautiful benefits of, uh, of exercising whilst gardening, then have a look to see if there is an edible garden tour coming to you. Oh, man, hmm. that's awesome. What have you been doing? I have actually been doing um, some really awesome exercise sessions with a physiotherapist, uh, an antenatal um, exercise physiologist and physio uh, twice a week for the last sort of couple of months since I kind of entered the second trimester. Yep. Um, so the aim for me, because I was, I just felt so out of condition after that awful first trimester, um, I, I just really felt weak. And I've, I realized that obviously moving into having a baby, I'm going to need to be able to do lots of lifting and bending and, you know, squat movements and that kind of stuff. So the aim has been for us um, to help me build my upper and lower body strength and some pelvic floor work as well. Yep. Beautiful. Uh, we did we did have the incredible Angela James on from the Sydney Pelvic Clinic on the yes. pod a few months ago now. Amazing. Uh, and she talked talk to us about how you can do an internal pelvic floor exam. And yes. uh, yeah, I've done one. I, I've, I've done one of those before as well. So you can share with our gorgeous listeners exactly what that involves. <laughs> Look, it was actually not as terrifying as I thought it would be or uncomfortable or weird, um, obviously because my physio is awesome. Uh, but basically, yeah, it does involve letting someone uh, place uh, their fingers um, at the entrance to your uh, vagina and also uh, moving inside as well just to kind of test what's happening with your muscles in there. And, I mean, have you ever experienced an internal massage? <laughs> Because, yes, yes, I have. Because I have. 
<laughs> pelvic floor is actually not doing too badly. Excellent. Um, I yeah, like it's yeah, I, I, it's responsive. It does get a little tired quickly and and a little weak weakness here and there. But interestingly, um, tight in certain spots. And so the physio actually massaged in from you know from the inside some of mm. those tight spots out, which. I got to say, was pretty painful, like a, yeah. like somebody pressing on some really kind of sensitive areas. The pain was sort of radiating down towards my butt cheek and out towards my hip. Yeah. Um, but damn, I felt loose afterwards. <laughs> so- cool. Cool, I guess. No, it is. Look, it's it is uh, it's one of those things that it's kind of easy to easy to laugh at. But my God, these pelvic physios do an incredible job, and uh, and I think you know if you have. The, if you have the capacity to go and see one, whether you're pregnant, planning a pregnancy, or whether you've just had any pelvic floor issues, full stop, that's where you need to be. Where you need to be directing your attention. Absolutely, and it's not just if you're, yeah, pregnant. Um, you know, even if, if you're you have a pelvis, not really sure where you. Yeah, if you have a pelvis, even if you're just not really sure where you are, maybe you know, you, you might feel like you might have an overactive pelvic floor or mm. an underactive pelvic floor. If you've ever, yeah, you know, jumped on a trampoline and felt a little bit of wee come out, or, yep. um, or perhaps experienced any kind of pain during sex, you know, mm. then then yeah, absolutely book in. Make sure that you're actually seeing a pelvic floor physio, though. Yes. Um, lots of physios will say that they're pelvic floor accredited, but you really want to make sure um, that this person does this all the time. It's their bread and butter. It's their maybe their, their um, area of expertise as well. Uh, but yeah, highly recommend it. Not not as weird as I thought it would be, basically. <laughs> well, that's a that's a high five. That's a high five. But maybe that's also because I've been for a lot of like ultrasounds and um, a lot of random kind of tests in the last few months that oh, like God, I'm now yeah. just used let's, to getting naked and, 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 <laughs> and having and having ones shoved up your your yoo-hoo. Um <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And I think I mean I'm not a mum myself, but from what I can gather from all of the uh, all of the wonderful pregnant women that I have cared for over the years. Often it starts off as, you know, being a quite anxiety provoking to the point when you know, after childbirth, you're just like, eh, go and have a look. You do what you need yeah, to do. Not Get it done. Out. <laughs> and also you are a fur baby mum. Thank you very much. Ah, yes. So I do have a couple of um, recommendations, though, uh, for pregnant mummers. Uh, yes. Some things that I've found super helpful. Um, the Nike maternity activewear range is just so soft and comfortable. Um, and I also want to shout out to the incredible Amy at Sports Bras Direct for an excellent maternity sports bra. I, I put this off for as long as I possibly could, but my actual sports bra was like digging into me, like like the mm-hmm. most uncomfortable wire. And, and obviously as my rib cage and everything's expanding, it was just getting more and more uncomfortable. So I finally bit the bullet, got myself a maternity sports bra uh, from Sports Bras Direct. Again, not sponsored, but Amy is incredible. Um, I went the Cake Maternity Zest Flexi Wire Maternity Sports Bra. Well, that uh, sounds delicious. (laughs) Right, cake. I'll eat cake. Uh, So comfortable. I'm wearing it right now. The material is so soft. The clips actually for breastfeeding, which I've obviously definitely tried out, uh, clipping on and off just to kind of see, you know, start practicing. Um, And I found that they're super easy to undo and redo as well. You know, this is what you need. Great. Uh, and my final shout out is um, shout out to public hospitals uh, for providing amazing resources for new parents. Um, I recently did a two hour Zoom session with a women's health physio at the Royal Prince Alfred Hospital. Um, the session was about how your body changes throughout pregnancy, you know, leading up to giving birth and then also afterwards as well. Um, the session I did was a, a group session with about 20 or 30 parents, mums and dads. Oh my God, they offered some amazing 
advice on things like how to get up and down safely as you get bigger and as your center of gravity shifts because of because of your belly. Um, so the best thing I took out of it, and I've been doing it every day, all day, every day, is when you get up and down out of a chair, you, you know, you've seen what pregnant women do often is they lead with the belly and they kind of, mm. you know, like put their hand behind their back and they like grip onto something and sort of heave themselves up. So instead of doing that, which puts, puts a lot of strain on the lower back, um, basically the physio recommended that you shuffle forward to the end of the seat and you like lean forward with your head and then you basically use your quad muscles as the propeller to kind of push you up. Basically, you know, lean into the the biological strength that already exists because those quad yes. muscles are a lot stronger than a lot of the other muscles in your body. Yep. Use them. Don't use your back. Use them for up and down, which has been amazing. And also um, getting up and down out of bed um, rather than like – like doing a crunch as, you know, most most of the time when you're on your back, you probably just use your stomach muscles yep. to pull you up. Obviously, as we know, that can lead to ab separation and um, what is it? Diastasis recti? Diastasis That's the recti. one. Is, that, is yes. that how you say it? Yeah. <laughs> Doctor, did I do it right? You did. Um, so, so instead, rolling onto your side, placing your, your hand, um, you know, flat and then using your arm to kind of push you up into a seated position and then roll and your legs so out. Like so much, so much like better that. to learn these things now than yes. in, in you know, weeks to months time when, you know, the the, the anatomy has changed, the, the, the shift of your weight has changed. Much easier to learn and practice those manoeuvres now and it's a bit easier than what it will be as, uh, as Bub continues to grow. That's it. Um, and the, the hilarious thing about this session, this Zoom session, was she also ran us through some pelvic floor exercises. And so it was, you know, literally things like, you know, okay, squeeze your pelvic floor, we're going to hold for 10 seconds and then release. And then we're going to do, you know, short, sharp ones. So, you know, clench, release, clench, release, clench, release. But it was basically just a Zoom call of all these mums <laughs> sitting there going, I can just imagine the faces just concentrating. <laughs> Like it was, it was the best. <laughs> anyway, should we talk cankles? Let's do it. The, the, the reason we're talking cankles is um, uh, I recently did uh, a full day from the office for the first time in a little while. Um, and office days tend to have a lot more walking around than when I work from home, which, yep. you know, generally just involves me walking five metres to the kitchen or 10 metres to the bathroom and back. It's not... And I also have a footrest, so I, you know, have my feet elevated for a lot of the day. So at the office, it's, yeah, it's quite different. Um, you know, walking down hallways to the bathroom, just getting up and down for things, walking to get lunch, all that kind of stuff, a lot more walking on my feet a lot more. So I got home that night and I put my feet up on the couch because I was a bit tired and I went to take my shoes and socks off. <laughs> and my God, my ankles were enormous oh, and I texted thing? you straight away yep. <laughs> I was panicking going oh my god what has happened and I naturally then googled preeclampsia and all the um horrifying things that can happen there yeah. and you told and then me to I stop googling naturally <laughs> disabled your google function um but <laughs> yes I think it's still it it, it uh it's it's only natural that you're going to jump to you know the worst possible conclusion but there's yeah look there's a lot to unpack in the world of cankles 
Well, it's interesting because I also texted my sister-in-law, Elle, and I was like, oh, my God, I think I've just experienced cankles for the first time. And she was like, I'm surprised it took you this long. I swear I was like 14 weeks in with my second exactly. when they popped up she's, for the first she's, time. She's two bubs ahead. So, <laughs> yeah. Ah, cankles. So tell me, doctor, what right. are cankles and what causes them? <laughs> well, we're going to start off by just uh, pointing out that cankles is not a medical term and... But essentially, no. look, it's it's one way of describing pedal edema. So pedal meaning feet, edema meaning fluid that's collecting in the soft tissues. So peripheral edema or pedal edema really means any fluid that's collecting in the peripheral structures. So not just the feet, but potentially the hands and even the sacrum or the lower back. Now, oh. if you've uh, if you've been paying attention, Gab, uh, you'll remember back in our episode from the 12th of April this year, which was titled, Are You Drinking Enough Water? We talked a little bit about fluid compartments in the body. So you've already got a bit of prerequisite knowledge when it comes to fluid shifts in the body. Now we're going to get into some, uh, we're going to hit the science now. Yes, please. So there are a few main settings in which we're likely to see pedal edema occur. Now we're going to kind of we're going to drop them into two different categories. So the first main category is increased capillary hydrostatic pressure. So where those little blood vessels in the in the tissues are placed under extra pressure and the fluid essentially leaks out of the blood vessels and into the surrounding soft tissues. So a lot of pregnant women are going to experience swollen feet, particularly as they approach their third trimester, although as was the case with your sister-in-law, it can occur earlier in pregnancy too as that plasma volume increases. And this puts pressure on the capillaries and it's usually noted with you know swelling of the feet and ankles after a long day on your feet, particularly if you're perhaps used to having a slightly more sedentary day and then it's followed up with a day where you've been standing for long periods of time. And look, that type of that type of edema in pregnancy, for example, is really pretty normal. And I think that most women will experience that to a greater or lesser degree in, in pregnancy. So that's kind of our, our first big category. Our second big category is decreased plasma oncotic pressures. So this often occurs when proteins that normally help to hold fluid within the blood vessels are reduced. So that could either be through protein loss or through a reduced protein production. You can think that proteins in the blood really, they they tend to pull water into the vessels, acting a bit like a water magnet. So when the protein is low, water will leave the blood vessels and then collect in the tissue. Now, an example of this is in the condition preeclampsia, where pregnant women develop high blood pressure and lose protein in the urine. So it's a very, very different mechanism, two different mechanisms, increased capillary hydrostatic pressure, versus decreased plasma oncotic pressure. Preeclampsia is not a normal part of pregnancy and certainly if it's left undiagnosed or untreated, it can absolutely be a medical emergency. So I I guess you're going to hear me say this about a hundred times during this episode. It's always really important to understand what the cause of the swelling in your feet is. Um, But in either way, increased hydrostatic pressures, decreased plasma oncotic pressures, gravity, then takes that fluid in the tissue to the extremities, which is why our feet are often the first area to show signs of edema. Now, those two kind of main categories are not the only categories. So we can also see uh, fluids shift from the blood vessels when there's increased capillary permeability. So we might see that in people that have sustained significant burns. Look, you might even see that if you get a mozzie bite and then you get swelling around that mozzie bite. 
So that's increased capillary permeability. And, uh, and it's the same thing that causes swelling in severe allergic reactions. And then the kind of the last main category would be lymphatic obstruction. And I suppose the main ways that we see lymphatic obstruction is either in malignancy, where we're seeing blockage of the lymphatics, or in patients who have had you know, lymph nodes removed as part of their cancer therapy or even had radiation therapy that's affecting their lymphatic system. So kind of got four main, four main categories there. And within those categories, some of those causes of peripheral edema are really quite benign, pretty harmless. And some of them are incredibly serious, which is why we don't really want to, to ignore new edema if it's present. Okay. I mean, interestingly, you kind of, um, especially towards the last of those kind of four, uh, mentioned some of these already. But I guess, you know, taking my pregnancy cankles <laughs> or pedal edema, um, yeah. you know, putting that to the side, uh, you, what are some of the other reasons why people can experience this condition? Oh, yeah. Look, I mean, you can, there are women that will experience pedal edema as part of their PMS symptoms. So, you know, that's that's good fun. Oh, just another all, thing to add to the already, list. <laughs> when you're already enjoying your, your premenstrual changes in mood and headache and hunger and whatnot, you can, yeah, you can throw cankles into that list. Um, look, other people just have, you know, somewhat incompetent valves in their, in their veins, particularly in their lower legs, which means when they're standing for long periods of time, that swelling will gradually build up and gravity will gradually pull it down. And, and look, even wearing, I remember reading about this when the, when the skinny jeans were all the rage, but even like really tight pants and tight skinny jeans or wearing tight pantyhose or socks can cause some swelling in the ankles. I mean, I, I certainly noticed this if I've had a pair of really tight socks on that you, you know, you take your socks off at the end of the day and you've got your little, your little ring. Ring, <laughs> ring around your ankles. And look, all of these things are ultimately, they are pretty benign. There's nothing too much to worry about. But I come back to this again. It's always important to understand why that swelling exists so that we can determine, is this something we need to worry about or is it not? Okay. So then I guess, when is it a cause for concern? So one thing that I, I definitely want sort of our listeners, and, and I think this is important in the population of, of our listeners to think about, one thing that I never want you to ignore is pedal edema that is unilateral, so affecting only one leg. So this can potentially be a sign of blood clots in the legs. So again, increased risk of this in pregnancy, but also increased risk of this in, in women on certain medications, including the contraceptive pill, and, and, and also increased in people who are immobile for, for any reason. You know, we often associate uh, blood clots with, uh, with long-haul flights. So we want to be aware that if you wake up one day with one big swollen leg and one normal leg, it could be a DVT or a deep vein thrombosis. And, and these can potentially lead to fatal clots on the lungs called pulmonary emboli. So if you take nothing else away from this episode, please, if you ever develop unilateral swelling, so swelling in one leg, make sure that immediately you go and see your GP or if you can't get in to see your GP, take yourself to the emergency room. This is a do not pass go situation um, yeah. because it- Do not collect $200, go to do emergency. Not, do not, yes, because it, it absolutely can be treated and, uh, and treatment can prevent fatalities. So- Wow. That one's, that one's just a, a 
you must listen to this piece of information today if you listen to nothing else. Um, look, the yeah. other time that I would urge immediate consultation is if it's something that is new for you. Now, you might always find that your ankles get a bit swollen after a long day on your feet or if you've been wearing your favourite pair of skinny jeans or if you know, you've know you been on a long-haul flight and both of your feet get a little bit swollen by the end of that flight. Look, that's nothing too much to worry about. But if that is something that is new for you or the extent of that normal swelling has increased markedly, then please, you know, go and see your doctor as soon as possible. There are some really serious causes of uh, of pedal edema and peripheral edema that we don't want to miss. Um, so if you have heart failure, so that's where the pumping action of your heart is reduced. If you have liver failure or cirrhosis of the liver, if your kidneys are failing, if there is significant malnutrition or malabsorption in the gut, and and some medications can even lead to peripheral edema, these these must never be ignored because the edema might be the first sign that something is awry. Wow! And because otherwise you you may have no idea, and so this is this is literally your that, body swelling to it. say, hey, you, something's going on you, here. Exactly, exactly. So it's you know think of it as a think of it as a warning sign. Look, if it's something that you've experienced a lot before and it hasn't really changed over the years, then you can you know maybe bring it up in conversation the next time you have an appointment with your GP. But if it's new or if it's unilateral, boom, straight to the doctors. So yeah, I mean, I guess you've kind of already answered this question, but like, what do you do if you're experiencing swollen ankles? In my case, my best friend is a doctor, so I text her and go, "Oh my fucking god, my ankles are huge! What do I do?" At which point, you said to me, "Feet up, rest, you know, and go to sleep, and text me in the morning if they're still like that in the morning. There might be something wrong, but chances are it's just because you've been on your feet all day. And sure enough, in the morning they were pretty much back to normal. Beautiful. And but- and also the next time that you have an appointment with your midwife or your GP or your obstetrician, then, you know, I would absolutely raise that with them and say, look, this is I'm just starting to notice this happen a little bit more frequently. Yeah. But yeah, look, again, and I said I would repeat myself, please, if you are experiencing pedal edema, speak to your medical professional as soon as possible because Whilst there are a lot of really benign causes, um, this is not a diagnosis to make yourself. This is not a diagnosis for Dr. Google. Um, so, you know, when <laughs> you, you go and see, <laughs> I, I'm not repeating myself at all. Um, you, your doctor will then be able to arrange the appropriate tests. And that might include things like checking your blood pressure, having a look at the urine to see if there is any excess protein in the urine, um, blood tests to look at protein levels in the blood, to check your liver function, to check your kidney function. If there's swelling in one leg, then they'll probably organise a, a Doppler ultrasound to to exclude or rule out a DVT. They might do an echocardiogram of your heart to look at the pumping function. But at the end of the day, it's just so critical that if you are experiencing swollen ankles, that we need to understand what that, that underlying cause is. Okay. So um, linking this back to exercise, obviously, this is a podcast for women who hate it. Um, (laughs) We're always trying to find ways to convince ourselves that it's good to do, good to be more physically active, aiming for that sufficiently active benchmark. Um, Does exercise or physical activity help uh, with with, um, I guess, a non-serious pedal edema um, or, or could it make things worse? Yeah, so look, I would I'd suggest that for for most people, if this is just you know a benign cause of pedal edema because they've been you know a bit sedentary or they've been standing for long periods of time, then absolutely gentle exercise uh, can help to to push that fluid 
back to back to where it should come from. But again, right. it'll be the last time I say it. I promise, hand on heart. Um, before you jump into self diagnosis and self treatment pathways, it's so important to understand, you know, what that underlying cause is. So, so you know, for, if it's literally just that you've rocked out your skinny jeans and and you're yeah, taking you've your, out your pants oh, off and going, oh my you know, god, <laughs> you're you're halfway through your pregnancy and yes. you do not have preeclampsia and that has been excluded and your blood pressure's been fine, um, then you know a bit of gentle exercise will absolutely help. Um, so for those that have you know pedal edema due to their increase in plasma volume or, you know, long, long days on your feet, then gentle exercise will activate the calf muscles. So gentle exercise I'm talking about here is, you know, walking, some gentle cycling, even just some calf raises, which you can do, you know, if if you've been standing a long time or you have to stand for work, then, you know, in the midst of your standing, do some gentle little calf raises. So, you know, lift up onto your tippy toes and lift back down again, (laughs) up on your tippy toes and back down again. Um, And that will help to pump that fluid back to where it belongs. Um, What's also really interesting is the role of swimming and hydrotherapy, um, because it can be a really good way to manage benign causes of peripheral edema as that water will, you know, the, the external water in the swimming pool will result in a hemodynamic shift from an area with greater pressure to an area with lesser pressure. So that can reduce edema in both the upper and lower limbs. So you're literally using the water pressure of the pool yeah. to yeah. So a lot of things. Yeah. A lot of uh, you know, a lot of um, cancer survivors who are, you know, who have lymphedema as a uh, as a consequence of their, you know, their radiotherapy or their, you know, lymphatic surgery, um, hydrotherapy can be such a powerful tool for them because the that hydrostatic pressure will reduce the edema and then they may have special garments that help to keep that edema at bay until the next hydrotherapy session. Yeah, amazing. And I also know that um, a lot of pregnant women love uh, using water or water therapy or swimming um, just as a, you know, possibly as a form of exercise or possibly just as a f- form of pain relief. You know, I know, I know that my yep. sister-in-law, Elle, uh, we, you know, we spent a lot of time in the beach over summer just floating because she was a month away from giving birth at that point and, mm. uh, you know, having pretty, pretty terrible kind of lower back pain. And so, you know, the feeling, the weightless feeling that the water yep. gave her was just... Oh, phenomenal! You can see it on her face—the relief. Yeah. <laughs> and that that same that same hydrostatic pressure that's reducing your pedal edema can also reduce pressure in the joints. So if you've oh. you know if you do have swelling in the joints, also as a part of this process, then the you know the hydrotherapy can help with that. It's also lovely. Have a little have a little float. Have a little float. Uh, I plan to be doing that in a few months' time. The the larger I get, I will just spend the summer floating. But just to recap, obviously. Uh, medical term for cankles is pedal edema. Um, and uh, yeah, if, if it's a sudden onset or something that you're experiencing the f- for the first time, or particularly if it's in one leg, seek medical assistance immediately. Talk to your doctor, <laughs> particularly if it's one leg, head straight to emergency, baby. Yep. I think that's the thing. A lot of us, a lot of us think that emergency has to be for like critical triage situations yes. where it's like life and death. You can also think of the emergency department as a place that prevents immediate emergencies from happening. So <laughs> I think, you know, there are, and I agree, look, it's so hard to, to self-triage and that's where, you know, if if you're worried about, you know, should I take this to the emergency department? And this is, this is not just true about cankles, but I think true about a lot of medical pre-emergencies in a sense, you know, ring ring for advice, you know, ring, see if you can get a, a telephone appointment with your GP, ring 13 Health, they'll help you to triage, 
you know, if in doubt, you can ring Triple O. It doesn't mean that they're going to send an ambulance. You can ring Triple O and say, oh, look, I'm experiencing this. I'm not sure what to do. And they will say, look, you know, on the basis of that, you should be fine to make an appointment to see your GP tomorrow. But yeah, don't self-triage, get some advice, but also- You know, there are times when visiting the emergency department today will make a very big difference to the outcomes as opposed to waiting for the critical event to happen and visiting them tomorrow. That's really good to hear because I also think that especially um, the experience through COVID and how completely overwhelmed our how poor medical, you know, people have been in terms of the the workload over the last few years and the the toll it's taken, I think – a lot of us are kind of um, hesitant to hit up the emergency department yeah. because we don't want to be a concern. Like we don't, we don't want to add pressure to somebody's day, but it's like yeah. that's, that's, that's what it's there for. If you need it, you know, if you've been on your feet all day and you've noticed that your socks have left a little line on your ankles, probably don't take that one to the emergency department. <laughs> put, put your feet up. Particularly if it's not gone, particularly if it's gone by the next morning. Oh, exactly, exactly. But there are some times when we need to take it really seriously. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. That's awesome. podcast is produced by me, Gab Burke, and music is by Hamish Camilleri. Please subscribe to our weekly newsletter at womenlikeyoupodcast.com. I'm Sarah. And I'm Gab. And I thought for next week, maybe we could talk about exercise and digestion. Mm-hmm. You know, because like, yeah, colloquially, you know, we do like to talk all things, um, you know, medical, and sometimes that relates to poo. I was going to say, uh, this, is turning, this is turning into a poop discussion again, isn't it? <laughs> And, you know, does exercise help move things along? Let's let's have a look at that next week. It's funny, it reminds me of um, that email that we got from my mate Bridget, who's a GP also and a mum of two little ones. <laughs> Didn't she say in the email something like, between work and her home life, like 95% of her time is poo related. <laughs> like there's just yes. a lot of poo in her life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, could, I mean, I, I don't have the little people at home, but gosh, when you work full time in general practice, you talk poo. You, t- you talk a lot of shit. Yep. <laughs> All right, my love. I love you. I'll uh, I love you too. next week. Indeed. Bye. 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 Big name in the water.